0: Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, Scott Garner and Michael Bailey now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back to the Bins.
1: Oh, and welcome to back to the bins i am scott gardner
2: and i am michael bailey
1: and this is what is this this is episode 56 i do believe i think
2: i believe it is yes it something will be episode like that
1: 56 sweet now uh by the time you guys are hearing this our epic uh superhero themes episode will have aired and uh I hope we get some quality feedback on that episode because I was quite proud of the way that it uh, that it turned out. So, anyway, speaking of feedback, we uh, we've let feedback slide for a couple episodes now. So we are actually <laughs> yes, going to uh, going to delve into the uh, back to the bins mailbag now. Before we do that, I have got to say how much i really 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 appreciate our listeners participating in the show and sending us feedback we uh we really have been getting uh, a a nice steady trickle of email some really awesome feedback and i really really appreciate it and i really have to thank you mr bailey because up until you joined the show we really only ever got just I mean, the barest handful of email, but ever since you've come on board, the the mailbag remains full to overflowing most of the time. So that's that's really awesome. You've definitely uh, you've definitely been the uh, cause of that, and I appreciate it.
2: Okay, <laughs> I
1: guess. <laughs> well, see, I didn't realize, you know, when when you know when you and I became friends, and then you know I, I asked you to be on this show, and you know we started up uh, tales and everything else. I didn't really realize at that time, you know, I, I got a hold of you and got in touch with you and, and we struck up a friendship because I just listened to you on, on From Crisis to Crisis. And to me, it was just, you know, it was this little show about Superman that I like to listen to. And I didn't realize at that time that you were like the fucking Kevin Bacon of podcasting and that you know, <laughs> like you know everybody and, you know, that that you're like a legit celebrity in the, in the podcasting field. I had no idea, you know, so...
2: Well, if you say so. I, mean, I, just, <laughs> I just, I've just been blessed to know a lot of people who do podcasts, and you know, uh, uh, Bertoni, uh, Josh Bertoni has a uh, has said that something similar that, that you know, like you know, six degrees of, of Michael Bailey in podcasting, which <laughs> I'm not really comfortable with. But that's just because I'm not. I may pretend to have an ego. I really don't. I'm not used to it. I'm used to being the guy. I'm the youngest of the four. I'm the only boy. So I'm used to always being wrong, always being, always being like the, the last one considered. And, you know, it was kind of like that with all of me, you know, the people I've hung out with in my life. You know, I've had friends. I've had good friends, but I was never the one in the group that was really the popular one. So... So I I can't, I can't shake that, you know, I can't shake that feeling. I just, as as I've said a thousand times and I'll say a thousand times again, I'm just a guy with a big mouth, some audio editing equipment and a shitload of comics. So,
3: well,
1: never, in my opinion, never, never lose that because I I think that's what I think that's the difference right there. You know, with with people that are are truly genuine and, and cool to know and everything. That may or may not have a certain air of celebrity and people that you know, again, may or may not be celebrities, but they're all kind of dickish about it, you know what I mean? <laughs> like uh yeah. you know, Bruce Boxleitner, for example. But anyway, um <laughs> you're never gonna forgive him, are no, you No, I'm not. You know, until until I meet him again and he's nice to me, no, I'm I'm not gonna let that go. But uh Hold that thought. We're going to come back to that a little bit later, actually, now that I think about it, because uh, I have a little story that I want to to tell and a little shout-out that I want to give. But anyway... Okay. Digging into the emails real quick, our first one here is from our good buddy, Jose Rivera, and he writes in about untold legends of the Batman. And I think it's fair to say that I think we've gotten more feedback about that one episode than anything else that we have done so far. Yeah,
2: the six six emails we're reading tonight mm -hmm. are all about untold legends of the Batman. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So... He says,
1: uh, you guys hit a strong chord with me when you reviewed Untold Legends of the Batman. To this day, I can still remember my father uh, taking me to Toy Park and buying me the comic that came with the audio cassette of Issue 2. I have to hang my head and raise my hand saying I liked the awful theme song that played in the beginning and end. I used to play the hell out of that as a kid. Now... Just to let you guys peek behind the curtain, it was Jose who supplied us with the uh, the audio recordings that we used in the show for that. And I really appreciate him sending that along. I did get a kick out of listening to that as honestly awful as I thought it was. I still did get a kick out of it. He goes on to say, uh, as for the issues... There were so many firsts for me reading this as a kid. It was the first time I learned all about the character's origins. It was my first exposure to Two Face. The splash page of all the photos of Batman's villains, any that weren't in the Adam West series, were all new to me, and it was even my first introduction to Rasa Ghoul. When I look at Apero's art, I smile because whenever I read a comic as a kid, Apero was the artist. Yeah, me too. He's, he's, To this day, he's my Batman artist because he was the artist on Batman when I was a kid. Uh, Along the way, I managed to get the tape slash comic of issue three. And on that same day, I remember my father buying me the Batman color form kit.
2: Awesome! Yeah,
1: very awesome. That costume, this series, uh, everything reminds me of my childhood. This is one of the first time I ever bought the same comic in a different format as I picked up the black and white pocketbook collection for dirt cheap.
2: Yeah, that, that, that's actually going to come up again in another email.
1: Oh, okay. I can thankfully say I have that pocketbook signed by both Jim Aparo and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Oh, that is awesome. It's one of my prized possessions. Well, yeah, as well it should be. That's cool. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Man, I imagine what that thing would go for on like eBay or something. That's that's awesome. Says so Scott, you're right. It looks amazing in black and white. I don't think I've ever seen it, but I'd like to. I'd actually like to own that. I bet you that's gorgeous in black and white. It says there is so much to say about this mini and so little time to say it. However, allow me to recommend you an episode of Brave and the Bold entitled "Chill of the Night." which follows the mini and the original Batman issues the mini was based on, in which they address the original Batman costume, Lou Moxon, and Joe Chill. Outside of the Spectre and Phantom Stranger's involvement and toning down what happened to Chill, it's a nice adaptation of Bruce confronting Chill. The episode feels more like a Batman the Animated Series episode than a Brave and the Bold episode. This might go down as my favorite episode of Back to the Bins. Thank you, guys. Jose Rivera. I really, really appreciate the awesome feedback, Jose. Thank you very much. And uh, because I think this will come up again, I just want to go ahead and address this very quickly right now. I am done with Batman the Brave and the Bold. I watched that episode. I absolutely hated it. And that was it. I was giving it one last chance to wow me after the god-awful musical episode. I was really looking forward to Chill of the Night. And I was horribly disappointed. So, yeah, I'm not going to torture myself anymore. I'm never watching that show again. On to the next email.
2: (laughs) If you're not gonna watch that, do you have Boomerang? Uh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Start DVRing The Batman. It was that, uh, show that came out, like, around 2005 or so? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, 2004, 2005. But, um, it's... I did not watch it when it first came out. I watched one episode. I thought it was kinda silly. I'm like, okay, this is a kiddie show. But... And the animation style is not really to my liking, and some of the fight choreography is kind of like almost anime-ish I guess would be the best way to refer to it Uh, but having said that my wife and I have been watching it because I just decided to throw it on the DVR and we've been watching episodes of it and I've actually been very impressed with everything I've seen there was an episode that I saw where the Joker decided to become the Batman and he was going to make Batman into his Joker hmm and Adam West played the voice of the mayor. And it was just really, really interesting. And the penguins involved... My only problem with the... With the one of my main problems... The only villain I've seen so far that I haven't liked... Uh, not liking really the Rastafarian-looking Joker. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the penguin is like Kung Fu penguin. And this big fat guy's moving really fast. And I'm just like, eh, not sure if I'm, I'm on to that. But the Mr. Freeze they developed... It does not have the emotional impact of what Batman the Animated Series did, but he still. But they actually take the comic book concept of Mr. Freeze and make it cool. No pun intended there. <laughs> no, but seriously, he's a villain. He doesn't have the sad backstory of his wife dying and him trying to save her. You know, he was a criminal that Batman was chasing, and through an accident, became Mr. Freeze. But instead of him wearing a suit, cold is constantly coming out off of him. His mask is actually ice he forms over his face. Huh. And it, and it was just... You know, my wife and I were watching it, and she said it before I had a chance to say it, because I said, you know, this is for kids. She goes, but it's not dumbed down like Brave and the Bold is. You know, this is for a younger audience, and basically... If I was like 11 or 12 years old when this show came on, or 10, I would have been all over this freaking show. And uh, I look forward to watching more of it because it's been it's been kind of impressive. I mean, Alfred's kind of cool. There's some silly moments to it, but uh, but a lot of the people that are working in Marvel animation these days, um, you know, like the the animated films and such, and the um, and the X Men Evolution and stuff like that, it's the same people writing it, so the writing's very strong.
1: I liked uh, X Men Evolution quite a lot. I, I really yeah, we've watched a show. couple.
2: Of, yeah, we've watched a couple episodes of that. And I'm surprised how good it was.
1: Yeah, we actually, uh, uh, my kids and I, we actually watched the entire series and really dug it. And we were really disappointed when they ended it because I, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was excellent.
2: <laughs> it's really funny. I forget who was telling me. Uh, God, what's his name? God, I hate that. I... He did a show called The Real Podcast. Uh, Isaac uh, had me on his show, and he was talking about the uh, x-men evolution he's like yeah when i was 12 years old and i was watching it i was like wait that was back in 2000 right he's like yeah <laughs> i go oh my yeah. god i had just moved in with my wife oh and i remember god. it being on and not watching it and i just felt so fucking
1: my second child was born in 2000 yeah. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh my god but uh, well, you know, our our, our mutual buddy uh, T.O. Rent um, sent me the very last season of The Batman, with the one where he teamed up with different heroes like Superman and I think yep. Green Lantern and some others. I have yet to watch it, but uh, but I'm I'm going to get around to watching that. And if I like that last season enough, I may go back and give that show a look. But I I watched. I think maybe one episode of that when it was on and really just wasn't my thing. But at the time it was just too close
2: yeah, to Batman
1: animated was, series. And yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, and justice league was on at the same time. So right. it, it's kind of weird. You and I are used to having a Batman a generation. Right. A Superman a generation. And, you know, cause there was the sixties live action series of Batman there was the late 60s animated series and then it was really just in reruns for a while until 79 and even i really wasn't around for this but you know and the, the, you had a batman series and you also had batman on the super friends and then you had batman in the movies and then you had batman the animated series but there was enough time between the animated stuff that it seemed like you know this is for for this collection of 10 to 12 year olds right this last decade has thrown all of that to the freaking wind, not only with having the Batman and Batman the Brave and the Bold and Justice League all in one coexisting in some cases, but there being like literally almost no time span between ba- the Batman and Batman Brave and the Bold, but also we've had like six or seven different voice artists for iconic characters where for a long time it was just one guy doing right. it. And I think that's weird, and I'm not quite used to it yet. It, it, it's just it weirds me out. I'm like, no, this is too much, too soon. You guys are you guys are backpedaling and doing new stuff too much. You know, just you know, pick something and stick with it. And if it fails, let it sit for five years and do something else. Don't come right on the heels of each other.
1: I would have really have liked them to have seen a Batman solo series with the Batman from Justice League. Now, I realized he was supposed to be the same one from Batman, the animated series, but I liked his new look. You know, he had a slightly oh, yeah. updated look with the very long years and all that. And he was the Batman we got in the last incarnation of the Batman Adventures comic. And I haven't read the whole series yet, but what I have read of it was fantastic. And uh, I think rather than doing the Batman at the time that they did, I would have rather had seen one last solo You know, Batman, the animated series, running concurrently with Justice League Unlimited, you know, and then later on, say a year or two after that series ended, then do the Batman. I think that could have worked.
2: Well, I think the Batman was trying to capitalize on having a younger Bruce Wayne to coincide with Batman Begins. Right, yeah. Even Which was so another many- reason
1: I didn't like it,
2: <laughs> but you know, with with a lot, you know, with five years now, basically from when it started to when I've started watching it, I can kind of take a fresher take to it. And because we've had so many different variations, now I'm kind of used to it, even though it weirds me out. So now I can watch it and probably enjoy it a little more.
1: That happens. So- I think sometimes time and distance can do funny things like mm-hmm. that. Because uh, I just recently. Uh- re-watched uh the new star trek again you know the the jj abrams the other night and was like you know despite myself the more i watch this movie the more <laughs> i find myself kind of digging on it so yeah that 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 happens
2: all righty going to our next email from jason trenner it says the fanboy strike striking back He goes, hey guys, I listened to your Batman the Untold Legend review and found it to be extremely interesting. Oh, and guys, Batman the Brave and the Bold is using the material referenced in this as the history of that Batman, more or less, anyways. And that leads me to get something I have to get off my chest. I love Batman Brave and the Bold. God, this is turning into the Tales of the JSA email stuff, because... (laughs) <laughs> We've talked about this constantly on that show. Yep. Uh, it isn't Batman the Animated Series, but let's all be honest. There will only be one Batman the Animated Series, and no Batman show will ever be quite like it, which, given how many different takes there have been on Batman, to me is frankly a good thing. Batman is frankly the big bag of jelly bellies with all kinds of random flavors. And everyone who bitched, and please do this in a whiny voice, but Batman needs to be dark. I hope that was wine. That was excellent. Okay. <laughs> after Dark Knight, I got to wonder if they ever read the interviews with the creators of Batman the Brave and the Bold on the Internet. They always intended it to be the light dessert or the after-dinner mitt for the dark, rich, meaty Dark Knight. And if they wanted a dark Batman cartoon, they just have to got a, just have to have gotten out some Batman the Animated Series DVDs. It gets to the point I want to beat them over with the head with a Batman the Animated Series box. <laughs> yeah, with that with that one with the entire series, you could probably do that. Can,
1: no, I, can I interject yeah, something though? And yeah, I, go ahead. I really hope this doesn't come off the wrong way. I don't mean this to be a smartass or be snarky or anything, but I, I just have to say, when, when I read that, you know, the, the old saying popped into my head that if you have to explain the joke, it's not funny. And it, I think the same thing works with a series. You know, if if there's a a, a, a basic premise behind a television series and you have to explain it to your audience because they're not getting it, then you're doing something wrong. You, you know, does that follow? Yeah. I mean, y-
2: no, no, I, I, I get exactly what you're saying. I was actually going to kind of interject the fact that Batman and the Animated Series had dark episodes, but I wouldn't call it dark overall. I would call it very 70s era type Batman stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, that had kind of an edge to them, but they were still, you know, like those early ones were really made for kids. They they, they were made for like maybe the the kids that <laughs> might not be afraid of uh, of a little man bat in their uh, <laughs> in their mix. But looking at that entire series as a whole, especially the Fox episodes, while it has elements of darkness to it especially in just how it was animated to begin with instead of having a white background it had a black background i don't consider that show to be dark in terms of like the dark knight or batman begins which is just dark with being an asshole about it right so but um that's just me (laughs) uh do you have anything else uh no no Okay, I thought I thought maybe I interrupted you. I apologize. No,
1: no, not um, at all. No, I was, I was, I was debating with myself whether to de- debate your point or not. I, I think, I think it is a dark show, but I don't think it's dark in terms of, um, of like being like uber violent or anything. It depends on your definition of dark. Okay, because my definition of dark is. You know, basically, if it's dark, then it's not necessarily for kids. I I think that it's easy to look back on Batman the animated series now and go, oh, that wasn't that dark. I mean, it was basically a kid's show. But, you know, at the time that show was coming out, I remember people going, wow, you know, this is really dark for a kid's show. And a lot of people even arguing the point that it wasn't for children. And you know, it was a long time before I let my kids watch it. You know, I, I let them get to a certain age before I let them see certain episodes, and particularly the movie. You know, the the Mask of the Phantasm. I still think that's a pretty dark movie with some real biting violence in it. You know, and some adult themes in it. So I don't know. I I would argue that it was a kiddie show. I I think it was. I think it was purposely aimed at, a, at an older audience, a more sophisticated audience than, you know, say Super Friends or something. When we were kids.
2: Okay, I'll I'll agree with that. Uh, I'm just I'm talking about it from the the lofty vantage point of hindsight. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to continue his email, plus, of course, from the marketing standpoint, that you really can't sell Dark Knight to kids. Uh, yes, you can, because yeah. they had action figures. And sure uh, as hell tried. DC learned that lesson the hard way with the second Tim Burton Batman movie, which they had action figures for. But again, that was something in the interviews. They were up front on Batman Brave and the Bold. The only thing that really lied about was the Joker. They said he wasn't going to show up, and he was there in the first season finale and made a couple of appearances since, which is frankly a Minor thing. I even like the mix of the '60s Batman cartoon and Batman the Animated Series. Oh, by the way, guys, the writers and such for the show have always called Batman the the Brave and the Bold the intro to the '60s Batman show with balls. Of course, part of it. Yeah, we're neither one of us really want to get into that, Uh, unless you do.
1: It just put me in mind of uh, I remember when uh, when Beavis said in an episode of Beavis and Butthead that he glued balls onto all of his action figures. For some reason, that made me think of that. <laughs> it cracks me up.
2: Of course, part of it, not, it might be I was working on a fan fiction universe at one point, and it had a few things in common with Batman the Brave and the Bold, using bits of the pre- and post-crisis and using lesser-used pieces. For example, I had basically Dan Juergens' Teen Titans with a few of the classic titan- Titans as members, like, frankly, D- Jurgens wanted for the team, but the editors won't let him. Though, have to say, this episode got me to finally watch Chill of the Night, which is awesome, but I didn't really want to watch after Superbat of Planet X and Power of Shazam and waiting for the Starro two-parter. Oh, and I really would love to see you guys review the two-part Guardians of the Galaxy story that was during the Infinity War. Trust me, some of the Do- some of Dr. Octopus's musing on how no one can keep, on- keep up on who is an Avenger are still finding- funny. Anyway, keep up the great podcast and finding interesting stuff in the bins. So that was Jason Trenner.
1: Cool. You know, I have a nasty feeling that, you know, we had, a, we had an issue on Tales of the JSA, where for a while we had a subject, which will remain nameless, that threatened t- to take over the show. It certainly took over the emails for a while.
2: Yes. And
1: I don't want to see a repeat of that on this show with Batman the Brave and the Bold. So I didn't say what I said earlier about my personal disconnect with the show to spark a debate or to spark a flood of, of emails in outrage or anything like that. And I'm only saying this because I really want to kind of try to head that sort of thing off at the pass. I stepped away from the show because... I am really trying to make a conscious effort in my life to be more positive about things. And if I know that there's something out there that is purposely just going to work me up, rather than keep trying to fool myself and thinking, you know, you can, you can come to love this. You can come to like this. You can find the awesome in this for yourself. I'm just going to learn to walk away. It's like, for example, you know, when the next uh, Nolan Batman film comes out, there's no way in hell I'm going to go to that movie or even download it and watch it because I know it's just going to frustrate me and piss me off. So why do that to yourself? So that's kind of why I said what I said about Darth, uh, about Brave and the Bold. It's just I I have come to realize that show is not intended for me. It, it's not for me. It's for a whole other audience. I'm glad other people are enjoying it. you know I'm glad other people find a lot to love in it. I just personally don't. so'm you know, somebody paid me a great compliment recently, and I can't remember if it was in an email or, or something on Facebook or something, but somebody along the line said something to me that really meant a lot to me, which was that they uh, they appreciated the fact that I have a unique viewpoint. That I say what's on my mind, I, I get things off my chest, yet they had never heard me, you know, like somebody could write in you know, and, and disagree with me about subject X. And I'll read their email or I'll, I'll have a debate with them, but I never come out and go, well, you're just a fucking idiot because you like that. You know, I really was touched by them saying that because I really do make a conscious effort that I can disagree with somebody. But I really try never to run them down just because they have a differing opinion from me. So I don't want to ever do that either. So that's why I'm disconnecting myself from that. So that was a very long-winded way of saying that uh, please don't let this turn into some sort of debates uh, on the merits of Brave and the Bold. Because that's really not what this podcast is all about.
0: (laughs) Please.
1: So, please. anyway, yeah, exactly. Please, pretty please. All right, so this next one is from our good buddy uh, Stan Johnston. He just says, Batman in the bins. Well, that's a good name for a podcast right there. <laughs> we need to start up a Batman in the bins podcast.
2: You You need to go straight to hell, sir. And when we get
1: clones, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he says, hey, guys. So, just wanted to say I really enjoyed your look at The Untold Legend of the Batman. I can remember buying this off the racks when I was 14. Wow, that's cool. And it has always uh, stuck out in my mind as the best retelling of Batman's origin. I hadn't read it in probably 10 years, so you inspired me to drag it out of the long box it was hiding in and have a fresh look at it. I think Burn and Apparel meshed fairly well on the first issue, although there were, uh, excuse me, although there are very obvious panels here and there where one style dominates the other. It's a real shame that Byrne couldn't finish the series. My only complaint is that DC hasn't given the story a hardcover treatment. I think we talked about that. Yes, uh, we did. That would be something nice to have on my bookshelf, Stan. I totally, completely agree. You know, I'm not much for reprints. And I think I only owe, own a, a tiny handful of like hardcover reprint things of any kind. But I would proudly own that. I would love to have that. Yes,
2: I'd like to see what they do with the cover. Yeah. Personally, I would like to see if they're going to do a cover, the dust jacket cover should definitely be the cover to the first issue because that's just such a distinctive image. I mean, the, the second and third issue are good, but that first one just sets up Everything that the series is going to be about. So I have to
1: be honest with you. I'm not crazy about the covers on any of the three. I don't know why. I'm just they don't really wow me that much. I would really like to see a a painted burn cover. Um, sort of like I don't know if it's still the cover, but the the edition I have of the greatest Superman stories ever told has a, a painted burn cover on it. That's just beautiful. I'd I'd love to see something like that on uh, Untold Legend of the Batman if, if they could get him, you know. But uh,
2: He's not really doing much of anything else. So there you go.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, at the moment, what, other than the the IDW Star Trek stuff, what is Byrne doing right now? Is that the it
2: IDW it? W- Star Trek <laughs> stuff?
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Okay. Our our next <laughs> our next. <laughs> I'm like. Laughing like Muttley, all of a sudden. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Now I got the giggles. Uh, Our next one is from some guy named Jeffrey Taylor O'Brien.
1: I listen to this podcast he does, and it's really cool, but his co-host is a tool.
2: Oh, God. The guy that works with Jeffrey Taylor O'Brien on uh, From Crisis to Crisis. One, don't lend him money because he'll never pay it back. Two, don't let him near your wife or he'll hit on her. (laughs) Like right in front of you, <laughs> like your daughters too. So just, just Mike Bailey's an asshole, and he never that seems to have pants t-shirt. on either. That should be our first t-shirt, by the way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mike Bailey's an asshole. I like yes. that idea.
2: <laughs> Anyways, uh, Jeffrey writes, "Hey guys, longtime listeners." Uh, first-time emailer. I loved the Untold Legends of the Batman episode. That was one of the first DC comics I ever read. I got the novel-sized edition in black and white from a book order when I was in elementary school. I honestly don't know which I read first, that one or A Death in the Family. I remember the first issue ver- really well, but not, th- but then not much until the ending. Even as a kid, I thought it was a little hokey. For years, I didn't even know it was a regular comic, too. I recently tracked down two of the original issues, but I'm still seeking the third. Thanks for covering it. I'll have to give it another listen once I track down that last missing one. Jeffrey Taylor.
1: That reminds me. I would like to put out a call to our listeners. Our listeners are awesome this way. Yes, they are. With helping out with things and keeping an eye out for each other and stuff like that. I really appreciate that. Jeffrey is not the only person um, having a hard time with that third issue. Um, now I'm, you know, as soon as I said that, now I started to doubt my facts I'm pretty sure it's the third issue that Jose Rivera was telling me a while ago that he was also trying to track down. Jose, if I'm wrong about that, please write in and let me know. Buddy. I'll be happy to make an on-air correction to that. But anyway, uh, everybody out there in listener land, keep an eye out at your LCS, conventions, whatever, for a, uh, a cheap copy of the, that third issue on that. And, uh, and let me know if you manage to track one down. I'd like to see these guys... Uh, be able to fill that hole in their collections because i know what it's like trying to hunt that one elusive issue
2: so right, don't we I see all see <laughs> one on ebay for 250 i see one of the cereal premium for a dollar 30 i see an entire set for 15 dollars.
1: yeah see i've still got at least i think i do at least one whole complete set of the cereal premium. I probably have a couple of them cuz I ordered a whole bunch of them back when that was out. Yeah, if you
2: if you ever dig out like another set of that, I would really love to have it cuz that was the first time I read it. So that's how it, it it's that's how it is in my head. Ooh. So, even though I have the original issues which I bought for a fairly good price. Sure, about I can hook two or you up. 3 bucks a piece so.
1: 50 bucks, no problem. I
2: hate you.
1: <laughs> so anyway, We have, uh, all right, this one is entitled Just Some General Feedback, and this one is from Damian Crawford. He says, hey, guys, want to drop a few comments on some things you have discussed on your shows. If I have sent this to the wrong show, sorry about that, but you guys have so many different ones, it is hard to know which (laughs) one to send feedback to when subjects cross over so much. The comments are about Back to the Bins, Crisis to Crisis, Tales of the JSA, Views from the Longbox, and Two True Freaks. I think he pretty much nailed them all, didn't he? Yep. So since you guys uh, seem to like people talking about their collecting past, I will start there and go into some comments afterwards. I am 30 and from Augusta, Georgia. Besides uh, Ninja Turtle Comics, when I was younger, I did not get heavy into comics until I was 17. I became a Marvel fan due to the easy access to them at the local grocery store. Those were the days. says, I know the late 90s are looked upon as a low point in comics, but I uh, was having a ball getting into the worlds of these guys. Good Uh, man. Yep. The nice thing about the store uh, was you could get six months of a title in one shot because they left old issues on the shelf forever. My hunger grew more and more, so I looked up comic shops in the phone book and found a nice place that I am still uh, that I am still buying from today. I was buying road trip, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was buying new and old issues at a rate that my present self wish he could go back to. Yeah, and don't we all? I mean, back back, you know, like uh, well, this would be late eighties, early nineties when I was in the service. I was literally buying like three and four copies of books because I had, I think, four issues of every single issue of uh, the McFarlane run of Spider-Man that I sold for a mint at one point. But uh, anyway, I digress. It says, I hit a brick wall in early 2002 when the with the hobby because of a thing called life. With no money, the big spending days were gone. It was not until late 2006 that extra money uh, came available again. When I came back in, I missed so much stuff that it was hard for me to get back on the wagon. Because of this, nowadays I read more non-mainstream titles than I did in the past, but still test the waters of the big two if something catches my eye. It says, I enjoy the shows you produce with each other and with your other co-hosts. This is because you bring a level of detail in your descriptions of the issues in such a way that I can tell what is going on without having the issues in front of me. Well, thank you. That is that is a very nice compliment, and I really yes. appreciate that. It says which helps a lot because I listen to your shows while I work stocking the aisles at a grocery store. I, that's something else I really like. I like to know what people are doing while they listen to our shows. I, I to a point. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you're doing something sorted, I kind of want to know that, too. Well, to, yeah, like to, like Michael says, to a point. Yeah, to a point. I took a massive dump while listening to your show the other day. It was awesome. It helped me uh, really clean out. Yeah, I don't I don't need to know that. Thank you. Anyway, says, The humor you bring to the shows is something that brightens the day so much that yours is the first podcast I listen to when work starts. Oh, my.
2: Well, that's, that's awesome. Nice. That, is that is awesome. Because awesome. I know what that's like.
1: Oh, yeah. I, do, yeah. I
2: do the same thing, and you used to do the same thing, yep. too.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. is another good thing is the way you handle negative comments about media when read or seen. Unlike some nameless podcasters, when you don't like something, you may go off on a rant. But in the time I've been listening to your podcast, you never ended the rant with this statement – and if you like it, you are a moron. <laughs> this was the email I was talking yeah. about. I was trying to remember where I read this. It says, uh, I am a passive person, but when someone makes uh, statements to that effect, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. You're you're absolutely right. I I agree with you wholeheartedly. And uh, I don't know that I've never done that. I won't go that far, but uh, I try never to do that because, yeah, I, well, I think that's rude. And I think that that's the sign of you having extremely horrible... Uh, argumentative skills if the best thing you can come up with is, oh, yeah, well, fuck you, man. You know, I I think that that's just, you know.
2: Nothing will turn me off faster than that or, you know, only two people think like this. Or, or, uh, you see, basically I just, over the last couple of years, especially in doing all the podcasts that I've done, I really pay attention to how other people speak when I'm watching TV shows, I was watching this thing on 9-11 conspiracies, and they were talking to these three douchebags that made their own documentary that they put on the web about, you know, how all the lies about 9-11, and every argument this one guy made that made me absolutely fucking hate him was he's like, well, I don't know about you, but, you know, when I hear that, it's just like, okay, so basically what you're saying right then and there is I'm about to express an opinion, and you're an idiot if you don't think the same way. And I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. I always try. I don't always succeed, but I think I, you know, on a personal level, I've always tried that. If I am going to say I don't like something, I am going to put a lot of effort into telling you why I don't like it, and that if you don't like it, uh, but and that if you do like it, excuse me, that's cool mm-hmm. because you know what, guys, these are comic books. You know, if anything in the last couple of weeks, because I've had a couple bad couple of weeks. If anything, the last couple of weeks of my personal life has reinforced in my head, it's that these are just pieces of paper with guys in spandex and women in spandex fighting each other most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, these are just movies about superheroes. I can get upset about it, but at the end of the day, it's not something I'm going to emotionally invest in to the point that it co- completely consumes my entire life and that's all I'm thinking about because there are many other things in this world especially in this economy that we are in that we need to worry about other than, you know, is you know, does superman secret origin suck? I mean it does, but that's beside <laughs> the- <laughs>
1: You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I and again, I, I, I just I wanna reiterate, if I've ever given that impression, if I have if anybody has ever taken me that way, then uh then I apologize because I really try never to be there. I might jokingly rip and that's this is another thing is I, I, I have discovered over the years, especially with my my wife of all people, who you would think would know me better than anybody that my sense of humor is very often misinterpreted by other people. That that a lot of times people can't tell when I'm completely serious and when I'm just completely full of shit. You know, just kidding around. And so I may say things jokingly, intending it to be taken as a joke. That people come away going, you know, thinking I was serious. So if I make a crack about, you know, everybody that likes Dark Knight's an idiot or something like that, I'm kidding about that because honestly, you know. I can live with people, you know, I can live with the fact that the whole rest of the world loves that movie and I just don't care for it because that's fine. You know, they found something in that to enjoy and it works for them and it brings them a level of, of, of happiness. That that's cool. I will, would not take that away from people. I just simply acknowledge the fact that there's, it it doesn't work for me. You know what I'm, what I mean? So I don't know. Anyway, I'm probably over explaining this. Uh, The, the big, you know, the, the long and short of it was I really appreciated the, the compliment from uh, from Damien. He continues here. He says, uh, I use CBRs to try-before-you-buy type of deal because with a limited budget, I can't afford to take a chance on a series like I did in the old days. It's also how I got into Walking Dead. Hey, you won't find anybody uh, looking down their nose that you hear about that, dude, because I I do the same thing, and I think it's fair to say that Michael has now discovered doing the same thing. So, I think if the comic companies were smart they would use it exactly for that rather than being scared to death that they're losing a nickel over the damn thing but uh
2: or how about not putting out 16 billion titles connected to <laughs> an event I think that's a good idea
1: that's a good idea too he uh he has some questions I don't know
2: about you <laughs> sorry sorry
1: No, no. (laughs) I was going to say that too. You beat me to it. (laughs) He has uh, some questions. He says some quick questions for you guys. And I like these. Some of these are stumpers. I think he says, do your wives listen to your shows? And if so, what do they think?
2: Rachel does not listen to them, but that's because I don't download them and put them on her zoom because Rachel will be the first to tell you she is technophobic. She, she, she thinks if she touches the computer it's just going to explode so um what i I will say this though she is fascinated by the fact that i have people who write to me about the shows i do she'll sit there and go you have fans like i don't have fans i have you know people who listen to my show
3: you have fans.
1: See that's another thing that's funny between you and I as far as our similarities is I'm very uncomfortable with that term as yeah, as I'm it relates to me. Fine. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, no. I, I don't I don't need that. I don't need the pressure one <laughs> And two, you know, I I don't get paid for this. I'm ju- like I said, I'm just a guy who Knows a crapload about comics and wants to talk about it for other people, and hopefully they'll find it entertaining. You know, I, you know, it, it's something big honkin' Steve always says, and I have adopted it as well. I don't have fans; I have listeners. Though she is absolutely there's a show called Phineas and Ferb mm-hmm. that my wife loves to watch, and it's a very good show. It's probably the smartest animated series for kids on TV today. It's a Disney show.
1: And yeah, my kids watch that one.
2: And there is a character on there that is a little fanboy for Phineas and Ferb that has a little scrapbook of all the things they've done. And he shows up every once in a while, he's all really excited to talk to them. And Rachel's like, if this guy ever shows up on our doorstep, you're dealing with them, because I'm not. So... <laughs> <laughs> but no, Rachel, I, I, I have to say this, and I'm, and I'm, I'm not kidding, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to sound hokey or anything, my wife is completely and utterly supportive of every single thing I do online. Even to the point where it it might upset her because I'm maybe spending a little too much time editing or doing stuff like that. But she supports it nonetheless because (laughs) she knows it's important to me.
0: You spend more time with that Scott Gardner asshole than you do with me.
2: (laughs) That has actually been said once or twice. (laughs) (laughs) Not the asshole. I don't
1: doubt it. I don't (laughs) doubt it. (laughs) I do not doubt that at all.
2: I don't know if you're getting the same thing between chris and i from your life but
1: when uh when i started this whole thing yeah yeah that came up quite a lot that uh that i was spending much more time with chris than uh than i was spending with um, what i get more is the kids i i get the kids yeah. at me you know rather than because I, I to a certain degree i think my wife is happy that you know i'm I'm doing something on the computer and not irritating her so
2: yeah, but uh <laughs>
1: It's funny, you know, to answer the, the, the question, though, um, you know, does she listen and what does she think? She listens when she's forced to listen, which is, you know, like sometimes if we're in the car and we're going to like, for example, uh, as we record this, um, yesterday was Mother's Day. And so we drove to Noonan, and I took my wife on a, on a little shopping thing because I didn't know what the hell to get her for Mother's Day. And she said she'd rather go shopping and be able to pick out what she wanted rather than me get something she'd end up re- just returning anyway. So we drove to Noonan. On the drive to Noonan, um, I proof-listened to last episode. Anyway, to, to you guys listening to this, it, you know that will be last episode, Back to the Bins 55. So she was, you know, quote-unquote, forced to listen to that um what does she think um she thinks i'm a big geek really i mean i love my wife dearly but she and i are an opposites attract situation because she is not a nerd she's not into nerdy things she's way out of my league and and it's it's really just a funny situation how in the world honestly we ever really hooked up is beyond me. i think what helped a lot is when she and i met I was living out of a room I was renting from an aunt of mine and had very little in the in the way of worldly possessions at the time because all of my shit was still in New York you know with my parents you know all my comics and stuff so she had no idea that the man that she was falling in love with and would eventually marry came with you know an entire room full of baggage you know as far as comic books and all this nerdy weird shit that I was into so had she known, I've often wondered if that would have been some, you know, run screaming situation, you know. But anyway, uh, no, she really doesn't listen to the show. Only because I, I think so much of it would be, you know, just stuff she would not get or whatever. Um, but, you know, as to what she thinks of it, I, I really don't know. I mean, you know, I'll play her little funny bits and say, you know, what do you think of it is? Is this funny or... You get a kick out nine times out of ten, she'll chuckle at it, or she'll find the funny, and you know if she gets the joke, kind of thing, but uh I don't know. I think I'd be afraid to ask her honestly. Well, what do you think of the show because I don't know if I would like the answer <laughs> <laughs> his uh, His next question was uh, was really a tough one I had to think a lot about. He asks uh, "Have you ever gotten feedback that made you want to stop podcasting?
2: No. Uh, I have had feedback that has made me question my style of podcasting I have had feedback a negative feedback where I'm like this dude's just an asshole mm-hmm. um, and you know I've pretty much through the evolution of doing views and, and doing the show with Scott pretty much adopted the same kind of attitude Scott has it's basically, look guys we're all going to disagree there is no point for you to work yourself up listening to me, if it's just going to upset you. So, if you don't like the show, and I'm not saying this in a mean way, don't listen. You know, it's the same. It's it's the same advice. Now that I can say that I'm taking that, if you don't like a comic, don't read it. You know, don't get yourself worked up. Life's short. There is other shit in, in the world to do. Um, if you're going to be an asshole about it, uh, a full refund for all the episodes you've listened to is forthcoming. So.
1: <laughs> um. Th- this, this is a really tough question because I had to really think hard about this it seems like an easy question but it was honestly it, it required me to do a lot of soul searching and uh, did I ever get feedback that made me want to stop podcasting it- it's kind of a yes and no kind of situation because The very first feedback we ever got to, you know, it was the first show we ever got. We got a lot of feedback from veteran podcasters. And most of it was negative. Some of it was extremely negative. And it was a blow. It was really one of these things where I don't consider myself an overly arrogant person. Yet I felt like we came out of the gate swinging with our first. And I'm talking about two true freaks. I felt like we came out of the gate swinging with that first episode. And I tried because at the time we put that episode out, I was listening to probably two dozen podcasts a week, you know, and I felt like I was gleaning the best elements of all my favorite shows and figuring out what worked, what didn't work and really trying to mesh a formula I wanted to do based on what I was observing other people were doing, both good and bad. So I felt like we had really done a phenomenal job and the feedback didn't bear that out at all. So that was really tough. Um, But the harshest feedback I've ever gotten, and I mean, I've, we've gotten feedback that have honestly called us names, told us we suck, you know, stuff like that. You get that, you know, and you just got to learn to deal with it. But the ones that, to this day really are the ones that make me, they give me pause, I guess I should say, are the ones that come from faithful, devoted listeners and friends of the shows. When I get those and they tell me, you know, in so many words, wow, that episode really sucked. Wow, that hurts. I mean, it really hits me hard. And every once in a while it happens. And... I try not to take it personally. I try to take it as constructive criticism because they're telling me because they care, not that they're trying to crush me, you know? So you got to look at it that way too. But yeah, it is tough. It's especially tough when when you do one that's a lot of work, whether it's a lot of work editing or it's a lot of work as far as you just poured your soul into this episode and the material that you're covering. And it comes back and, and people just don't like it. Or they don't download it or whatever, that's very discouraging. And I've had that happen to me a number of times where some of my absolute favorite episodes I've ever done, of all the shows I've done, some of my favorite episodes are the least downloaded episodes. It's just bizarre. I don't know why the hell it works that way, but it does. And on the flip side, some of the episodes I, I, you know, I walked away from going, well, that could have gone better, are some of the most popular episodes. So, you know, you never know what people are going to like and what they're going to go for. You just have to try to do your best to, to feel good about the material that you're you're doing. But, uh, bottom line, has anything ever made me want to stop? No, I get frustrated sometimes, and there's been a couple of times where I look at it and go. This is the most work I've ever done on any project in my entire life. I'm not making a goddamn penny off of it. Why am I even doing that? There have been moments like that. But in the long run, I try to cling to why I got into podcasting in the first place, which is it allows me two things. It gives me a venue to talk about the things that mean the most to me in the world beyond my family, which is, you know, funny books and star Wars and star Trek and shit like that. But also it allows me to spend serious regular time with my friends, you know, and that's really, that's the reward. And that's what makes it worthwhile to me. So, you know, I can't see stopping podcasting, for a long long time because i get so much out of it it really is rewarding and and enjoyable to me and i never got into this because i expected it was going to make me a cent i got into it because it just seemed like it was a hell of a lot of fun and so far it's been a hell of a lot of fun and so don't worry about me going anywhere anytime soon Um, Oh, this last one is for you specifically, Mike. He says, Mike, how do you feel about the number of podcasts that have popped up with similar formats since Crisis to Crisis became successful?
2: Yay. Um, (laughs) uh, Again, I don't think it's a format that, that Jeffrey and I started because other podcasts before that were doing something kind of similar. We've discussed a Starman podcast that was doing something like that. Uh, and uh, I don't know if we were doing From Crisis to Crisis before you and Chris started doing your Star Wars and Star Trek Monthly Mondays, Uh, but you guys are doing something like that. But uh, if there are people that listen to our show and say, hey, I can do that with this character, then I just think that's awesome because that means there's more people out there doing something that they think is fun and that they're passionate about and that they're going to bring that passion to other people. I mean, uh, From Crisis to Crisis has been, without a doubt, until Tales of the JSA, the most successful podcast I've been a part of. And it's talking about my absolute favorite character of all time. No matter how much I turn away from DC now, nothing will ever take away the fact that those issues of Superman are why I'm buying comic books in the first place. Mm -hmm. So if people like it and want to do it themselves with, you know, however they want to do it, then that is awesome sauce, really.
1: (laughs) He uh, wraps up his email by saying, well, this has been long enough. I may not send feedback much, but I will continue to listen. Waiting for the episode of views with you guys and Chris is going to be – is going to be a pain he says what does he mean just the wait itself i guess he means guess. just the wait for the episode <laughs> hope you keep uh having fun with the shows and this is uh from Damian Crawford now uh let me see this was weekend before last there was one of uh, another installment of the Atlanta Comic Convention um in Atlanta Georgia and I got to go to that. It's, it's just a small one-day con that they, that they hold on Sundays every, what is that, like every four months, I think, three or four months. and
2: uh, Yeah, three months, I believe.
1: And I went to that, took my kids, and, uh, and had an absolute blast, met up with uh, some friends of mine there. And, uh, and it was just a heck of a lot of fun. I just went you know, with a few bucks in my pocket just to hunt some back issues and stuff. And so I'm way at the back of the convention hall you know, the the furthest back that you can get. And I'm digging through this box. And it was getting, as I recall, it was getting a little late in the day and all. And I was just kind of doing some last minute hunting. And I noticed this guy, and he's kind of, you know, in the, in the same area. And I just figured he was waiting for like the box that I was at or something. Cause he was just kind of standing there, not, not like looking at me or anything, but just like he was trying to be patient, wait for me to get the hell out of the way kind of thing. And then he, he just kind of, kind of shyly really comes over to me and he's like uh he's like excuse me and i was like yeah and he's like are you are you scott gardner and a couple of different thoughts went through my head the the primary one being you know do i owe this dude some money <laughs> you know is this somebody you know you know did, did i do something wrong or something and uh and i was like uh yeah and he just, you know, he shakes my hand and he introduces himself and it was Damian Crawford. And, you know, he was just telling me uh, that he listens to the show and, and really just giving me a, a lot of a lot of praise and some really nice feedback on the show and everything. And uh, he said something, I wish I could remember exactly what it was he, he had said, but he had said something to the effect of he hoped it would be all right that he had approached me or something to that effect And it really kind of took me aback. I really didn't know what to say because I think what I told him flat out was, dude, I am no celebrity. You know, he had the distinction of being the first person that's ever recognized me, you know, because of the show somewhere. You know, the first person that's ever come up and say, hey, you know, I listened to your show and I thought that was really awesome. But it also really kind of took me aback it was It was a very surreal moment for me, but it was it was totally cool, very, very cool and uh, He uh, assured me that he listens to, to the episodes and really digs on uh, on all the stuff that we put out and It was really nice to meet him. Damien, you are a very nice guy and, uh, and thank you for coming up and introducing yourself. You totally made the convention experience for me just made my my day really it was that was very cool. But, uh, yeah, definitely, I mean, like Mike had said earlier, you know, I'm just a guy with a big mouth that likes to talk about funny books. So, no, there is no celebrity here. Always, you know, if you guys see me out and about anywhere, please walk up and and introduce yourself. Because I get a kick out of talking to people that actually enjoy, for some bizarre reason, listening to me run off at the mouth. So, that was very, very cool.
2: Unless you're a process server, in which case, stay the heck away from me. <laughs> Are you Scott Garner and Michael Bailey? Yes, you've been served. Oh, yep. damn it. So. Is this for it's... all those
1: funny books I downloaded? Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, all righty, our last email is from Josh Elderkin, who has an awesome email account uh, name that I won't reveal because I'm, I'm not sure if he's... <laughs> uh, if he's comfortable with that, but I think it's funny. It is funny. It says, Re, Untold Legend of the Batman, Hey guys, I just listened to your episode covering the Untold Legend of the Batman at work, and having never read it before, and because your conversation about it got me very interested, I got on eBay as soon as I got home and found someone selling all three original issues with a Buy It Now tag for only 10 bucks. Uh, wow. Wow. Scott Garner and Michael Bailey would like to request the person that you bought that from contact us to give us our kickback.
1: I'm telling you, dude, I'm serious as a heart attack. We need to figure out a way to get kickbacks because I've had more people tell me, hey, I bought such and such. Because yeah. you Recommended it. And I'm like, that's awesome. I don't see a penny. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, in that episode, Scott laments the fact that Batman's origin from Untold Legend has never been seen before or put to film or animation, particularly a Batman Joe Chill confrontation scene. Well, I don't have TV, but I have some of Batman the Brave and the Bold before online. By happenstance, tonight I got on YouTube, and lo and behold, the title of one of the episodes caught my eye, Chill of the Night. Without spoiling its awesomeness, I will tell you that this episode seems to follow the untold legend story basics close closely, and even has the Joe Chill Batman unmasking scene put to animation. It also featured Kevin Conroy as the Phantom Stranger, Mark Hamill as the Spectre, and Richard Mull, a Two-Face from Batman the Animated Series, as Moxon. For whatever, whatever faults and extreme up-and-downs the show has had, in my opinion, that this single episode has redeemed it because it was AWESOME! Here's a link to watch it in high quality, and he gives the link. I'm interested to hear what both of you think of the whole presentation. Josh Elderkin, P.S. Scott, like Michael said, I'm also pretty damn sure you already did a review of that issue of Gotham Knights with Bruce Wayne Home (laughs) Alone and Aquaman visiting, etc., before on an early episode. Yes, I know the downside of having fans that follow your shows is that we can nearly can correct all your memory lapses and mistakes. Ha ha.
1: I think what it was is I talked about it in enough detail that it basically counts as a uh, as a review. So no, I, I won't torture you with doing it all over again. But yeah, yeah, I did talk about that one in in some some depth, I believe. <laughs> well. I'm just going to be honest with you, folks. Here's what what I'm looking at. I just noticed the time. This was intended to be... uh, what, What we basically wanted to do was cover all of the feedback that we had received related to Untold Legend of the Batman because we thought it was absolutely awesome. And it is. However, the episode has now completely gotten away from us. So what I'm going to do is we're going to cut it off right here and we will be back next week, I promise, with some actual funny books to review and talk about. So how does that work out for you?
2: Works out fine for me. All right. I don't know about the audience.
1: <laughs> They're going to come at us with torches and pitchforks. But no, I did not intend at all for this to be uh, just uh, simply another uh, email reading episode. But we do get a lot of it now. And uh, and like uh, we have promised before, we will address our email. So... That's where we're at, and uh, come back and join us next week, and we'll have some uh, good old-fashioned random comic book awesomeness for you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com. Or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of the ComicForums.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at ww.twoTruFreaks.libsen.com, and is a registered trademark of De Core Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved.
3: See our Spider-Man fans We're Thomas Mattis And Donald Mark And we want to invite you to the most web-slinging-est web swinging podcast around The Spectacular Webs Podcast A podcast dedicated to one of the Best animated superhero shows On television today The Spectacular Spider-Man Animated Series Where we review each episode of the series We dive into music, art, and story And we been special guests for interviews all in our own slapstick comedic chatter. So if you're looking for one swinging podcast about your favorite web-slinger, zip down to the Spectacular Webs Podcast at www.spectacularwebspodcast.podmatic.com Or search us out on iTunes by typing Spectacular Webs in the search box. And please remember to leave us iTunes reviews when you go to iTunes and fan mail at spectacularwebs at yahoo.com so until then, stay, stay spectacular. spectacular.
0: Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Fantastic beyond comprehension. Gripping beyond compare. Astounding beyond belief. The mightiest monster of them all. See Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Well, it's big and terrible. More frightening
3: than I ever thought possible. SOS, SOS, SOS. This is Tokyo SOS, a Godzilla podcast. We are dedicated to reviewing every Godzilla movie ever made. From the good, like Gojira, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, and GMK, to the bad, like Godzilla vs. Megalon, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2, Godzilla vs. Megagarius. We'll even review the reviled
0: abomination that is the 1998 American Godzilla.
3: Along with all other things Godzilla.
0: So if you're looking for a good stomping time with your favorite 150-foot tall king of the monsters,
3: come on over and listen to the Tokyo SOS Podcast.
1: You can find us on iTunes by searching Tokyo SOS, and please drop us a line at TokyoSOSPodcast at gmail.com.
3: So remember, fans, RUN! ¡Y Godzilla!